What if? Those are two of my favorite words. You probably picked up on that by now. I love that. What if? What if there was someone who could make sense of our mess, who could take all of our scribbles, our mistakes, our missed opportunities, and make them into a masterpiece? And then I remember there is Jesus. He gives us a new life. I've wondered sometimes if that was true. Maybe that surprises you a little bit. I don't think it should because I believe the vast majority of us, if not all of us, have at some time or other in our lives wondered the same thing. Is that true? What I read in the Bible and what I see happening around me sometimes doesn't seem to coordinate, doesn't seem to make sense. And you come to church and you share those thoughts in church and you get a church answer. But you're not supposed to doubt like it's a sin or some kind of problem to think. And if you wonder what you read in the Bible and what you read in real life, if it doesn't measure up and you have questions, then somehow you've done something wrong. And we'll say in the church that maybe you should just have more faith. Or maybe there's something wrong with your walk. Or maybe there's something wrong with you. I've struggled with the church. Not just this church, but the church for a long, long time. We preach Jesus, but it's like we're allergic to the things that we read. I had a guy in a church that I pastored one time. The church was located across the street from a cotton mill village. I don't know if y'all know this or not, but there aren't many cotton mills left anymore. And the cotton mill villages still exist, little shotgun row houses after house after house. And in this neighborhood, all of those houses probably sold for fifteen dollars to $20,000 max. So you know who moved in those houses. And next door to the church was a government apartment complex, low-rent, subsidized housing to the left, the company surrounded us on the other two sides so all around us 95% of that community was very very poor very very uneducated very very black and we were very very white and it just laid on my heart that here we are this church that's been stuck in the middle of this community that is 95% poor and black and we're doing nothing so why don't we, I was part of a ministerial association there, why don't we partner with a black church because these folks aren't going to come to our church and it's just not going to work. So let's partner with a black church and open a mission in that empty building that's across the street behind us. Sounded pretty simple to me. That Monday morning I had an elderly gentleman come into my office and he was hopping mad he was furious the text one of the texts that I had used was Jesus saying and everything I'm going to say this morning the scripture that I quote is going to be a quote from Jesus not Paul not Peter not anybody it's Jesus okay and Jesus said for the son of man has come to seek and save the lost and when I hear that there are no qualifiers there are no qualifiers 
based on anything there. If someone is lost, Jesus came to look for them and to save them. That's what the scriptures say. So I partnered, let's partner with this black church to do what Jesus said. He comes to meet me on, Sunday mor- on Monday morning in my office. He is hopping mad. I mean, and let me help you understand something. Just because I'm a pastor, man, people think they can talk any way they want to. And this guy came in, he was furious. And he was letting me know in no uncertain terms, he said that if one of those black people, didn't use that word, if one of those black people joined this church, that's the day that I'm never coming back to this church ever. But I will send my tithe because the Bible says I'm supposed to tithe. And I thought to myself, and I know it was wrong, but I thought to myself, well, that's the best of both worlds right there. But here this gentleman was furious. And what was his issue? And here's the deal. I don't want you to see, we we immediately jump to a stereotype when we're talking about that kind of thing. This guy was not a bad guy. He was not a bad guy at all. He was an elderly gentleman raised in a different period of, of the world in a different time completely than what I was raised in, working in a completely different environment than I had ever worked in in my whole life. And this gentleman, he loved me. He loved my wife. Him and his wife encouraged us all of the time. He was a good man who had an issue. But the issue wasn't The issue wasn't racism. The issue was religion. He had religion. And religion is a cancer. Religion, as I use the word, means an institutionalized system of religious attitudes, beliefs, and practices. An institutionalized system of religious attitudes, beliefs, and practice. Religion is us taking grace and trying to turn grace into a law. Religion says no black people, no gay people, no poor white trash, no drinkers, no cussers, no loose women, No coarse men. Religion says that you need to get your act together before you come to church. You need to get yourself straight and cleaned up and look like everybody else before you get here. Religion says that there are some things that you just can't do in church. Religion defines all of the things that we are against. And the church for years has has communicated to the world that we are against you. Think of all the things that we're against. All of the things the church has stood up. For years, the Southern Baptist Convention every year would pass some kind of stupid resolution. To let the world know that this is what we're against. Instead of saying this is what we're for. 
Jesus said three things. I'm, I'm wanting you to understand where I'm coming from. Jesus said three things that are foundational to my ministry. He said, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. He said his job was to seek and to save the lost. All right? He said, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I didn't come to call the righteous, but to sinners. He said, as for me, if I am lifted up from this earth, I will draw all people to me. And I cannot help but believe that he's telling the truth. But we rarely, if ever, see it. And when we ask those questions about this is what he said, and this is what we see, we end up having a church answer because that's what religious people do, is we give church answers. One of our teachers posted this on Facebook before Christmas, uh, during Christmas break, one of our teachers. I got the teacher's permission. I'm not going to give you her name, but some of you are going to know who it is right away. I talked to Evan before the service started to let him know that I was going to abuse him this morning. So it's not like he just came in this morning. You know, he's wearing Kevlar underwear. He was ready for it. One of our teachers posted this on Facebook before Christmas. She said, I'm sharing this because I cannot stop thinking about everything I have to do before Christmas. I also can't stop thinking about some of the kids at my school, including in my classroom, that they wish that they were at school right now. At school, they are fed. At school, they can wash their hands because they have running water. They can be comfortable at a table or on the floor. They can play games on the computer because we have power. And they know that they're loved. I am beyond blessed for all that I have to be thankful for, and I complain about it. Please say an extra prayer for these babies. Man. Jones County, Georgia. I've given you the statistics before, but I'm going to give them to you again, and I'll probably give them to you again and again because I like statistics, number one, and they tell the truth. In 2010, the last year for which we have, we have official data, 28,869 residents lived in Jones County. Of that, 10,680 have some church affiliation. That means that 18,189 excuse me, 18,189 people or 63% have no church affiliation in Jones County. We have people here that come from Macon. We have people here that come from Milledgeville. I didn't include those statistics because then the number just gets mind-boggling. So when I've told y'all that six out of ten people in Jones County are not Christian, I really wasn't telling you the truth. It's actually 6.3 people in Jones County 
It's worse than the number that I gave you. But let's make this number even more interesting. Y'all stay with me this morning. You've got to hear this. This is important. 25% of the people in the United States, now I have, I have looked at our statistics and I've looked at the statistics of other communities around Georgia and other communities around the nation using these numbers to see that we really are in line with everywhere else. This isn't an aberration or weird or anything. This is the way the country looks. 25% of the people, 25% of the people, one in four of every American in the United States says when they are asked, what is your religion? They say, I do not have one. They are called nuns. I don't mean habits. That means they have no religion. Now, they might believe in a God, but they don't have a religion. If you apply that number to Jones County, that means there are 7,217 people here who don't believe in God at all. Period. I don't use numbers, but golly. Times have changed, people. Times have changed. There was a time... There was a time when you had to belong to a church. Y'all think about it. You younger guys, the, the 14 of you that are in here, y'all don't know what I'm talking about. But the rest of you guys pretty much know this. Y'all grew up in a time that, that you had to belong to a church to be a good man or a good woman. You didn't have to need to be necessarily a good church member. You just had to go to church. I had a friend one time that got a, a job with another company and they found out he was Southern Baptist and they said, you have got to become an Episcopalian. And he goes, but my wife and I, he, the, and the company said, we don't care. We are Episcopalians. You got to be an Episcopalian. And he moved to an Episcopalian church because that was who they were. Business people in a time not that distant from now, had to belong to a church. Somebody would say, my stove just broke. I need to get a new stove. And you would reply to them, you ought to go talk to good old so-and-so. He's a good Christian man. But Pew Research says that 56% of all Americans now believe that you don't have to believe in God to be a good man. Now, you listen to that, it doesn't sound bad, but if you take it to its lowest level, it's, it's, it's common denominator here. If they don't have God, then what are their beliefs built on? We'll deal with that one day. 56% of the people say you don't have to have God to be good. You don't have to go to church anymore. Cultural Christianity is dying. People don't feel a need to come to church in order to be good. The church is irrelevant. And it's headed that way in Jones County. No, it's not, Randy. 63% of the people are saying, yes, Randy is right. I don't have to go to church to be a good person. I don't need your stinking religion. And that's what they're saying to us. But what if? What if there was someone who could make sense of this mess? 
What if there's someone who could take all of the church's scribbles and all of our mistakes and all of our missed opportunities and make them into a masterpiece and that I remember there is. There's Jesus. And he gives us new life. Here's what I want to do. I want to test Jesus. Now, I know the Bible says don't test, but I, I, it, this is a different kind of testing. I want to test Jesus. I want to see if what he is saying is true. I want to see him in a way that I have never seen him before. I want him to, I want to see him change lives in a way that changes us. I believe that God has called me to shepherd, to shepherd First Baptist in a little bit of a different direction. A direction that doesn't see First Baptist Church as this building that's across the street from a courthouse, but sees First Baptist Church as teachers who come from First Baptist Church, who are in the schools. And people see First Baptist Church on the ball fields of Jones County, the new churches of Jones County, the ball fields, that sees First Baptist Church sitting in the stands and coaching the children and playing on the field, that they see First Baptist Church in business leaders and workers and homemakers, and clerks in the store, and not just because they're from church, First Baptist Church, but because they can see God coming out of each and every one of us and understand that we are not against them, we are for them, that we know they're broken because we're broken, and God has made us whole, and he can make them whole, and your life is going crazy. I have the answer, and his name is Jesus. That's what we want. That's what I want to see. You're going to hear this question over and over and over again, I suspect, because the first time I heard this question, I caught my breath. Question is this. If First Baptist Church went out of business, would the community even notice? If First Baptist Church went out of business, would the community even notice? Well, yeah. There'd be an empty building. Yeah, it'd be an empty building. All of us would have gone somewhere else by that time. But would it have made a difference in the community? See, we want to be a church. I believe that God would want us to be a church where if the community got a hint that the First Baptist Church was going to close, people would be knocking on our door saying, wait a minute, whoa, what's going on there? We need you. The community would, should be heartbroken. People should be calling me and calling the deacons and calling church leaders and begging, please don't close the doors we need you. And that's the place that God is leading us to, is that place. 
where the community says to us, we need you. We need you. We've got to have you. You make a difference in our lives. <coughs> now, how do we get there? How do we get to that place? Well, I'm going to give you several things that we can do. You can take some notes here and take some of this home and write it down, write it down, take it home with you. But it's really underwhelming when you hear it until you realize what it's saying. The first thing that we have to do, we have four words that we've come up with this year. Four words. Let me explain this first before I give you the things. Four words that we've come up with this year that, and I, by we, I mean me, and I, I threw it to Laura and Bo, and neither one of them threw up on it, so I think I'm okay. Four words. Find Jesus, give Jesus. That's it. You can call it our mission statement, our vision statement, whatever you want to. Find Jesus, give Jesus. Now, here's what it means. Find Jesus means that First Baptist Church must be a place where people come to be born again. You understand? That this is a place that people come to meet Jesus and be born again. And once they are born again, then they come and they learn godliness and holiness and how to live a separate life from the world. And once they learn how to live a separate life from the world and they've got their godliness and their holiness, they in turn start reaching out to people to bring them to Jesus so that when they're saved, they can teach them how to be holy and godly so that they can, and it just keeps going and going and going. That's what we have to do. First place, first Baptist, listen to me, listen to me. I know this is, listen to me. First Baptist must be a place where people, First Baptist must be a place where people come to find mercy, grace, and comfort. And we are not known for that. No church is known for that that I know of hardly. We have a reputation I didn't make this up. People tell me this. We have a reputation as a rich church that enjoys a good disagreement. You hear me? Y'all listen to me. Hey, y'all come on. Listen to me. Listen to me. We are a rich church that enjoys a good disagreement. And yet Jesus' words say this. I give you a new command Love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So when they see First Baptist Church out at the ball field and, and, and Ingalls and Harvey's and, and Chevy's and, Lord help us, Waffle House with scattered, smothered, and covered next to ambrosia and bliss when we are at these places they see coming out of us when we are together a love for one another that they say i want me some of that that's what's missing in my life it's what jesus said something else we got to work on many of you may not remember this those of you that were in that you know maybe 35 down group y'all remember charlie rich didn't they used to call him the silver fox? 
Do I, am I remembering that right? Charlie Rich, Silver Fox. Yeah, y'all don't have to be embarrassed. Yeah, it's Rage. Yeah, yeah, it's Charlie Rich. Yeah, he had a song. You know which one it is, right? Behind closed doors. Y'all remember that one? Yeah, and there's a line in that song that I always remember that he says, Oh, no one knows what goes on behind closed doors. Behind closed doors. Yeah, that's Charlie Rich right there. But now here's the deal, y'all. Every now and then I get a peek behind your closed doors. I get a little peek. Not, I, don't, I don't see your Facebook life. I don't see your church life. But I see your real life. And I realize that in your real lives, in all of our real lives, there is plenty of pain to go around. There is no one perfect in this church. There's no one without a problem. And if you've got a problem, you need to get, I mean, if you don't have a problem, you need to get out because you don't fit here. Everybody here has problems. Everybody here has pain. And we know that pain that stays behind closed doors ends up festering and becomes infected. And awful things happen to to families. And there's got to be somewhere to go that's safe, that people can find mercy and not be afraid that somebody will sacrifice them because they enjoy the gossip. Jesus' church will grow into that. We will get there when we follow him. So find Jesus, give Jesus. Give Jesus means that we give mercy and grace in Jones County. And we don't jump up at everybody's face and say, oh, we're against that. No, we handle it differently. We handle it differently. It means that we learn, and it's going to be a hard lesson for us, but we learn to actively, intentionally work, actively and intentionally work for Jesus in the schools and at the ball field and at work and at every community event, and that we quit asking the question, what's in it for me? But we ask what's in it for Jesus, knowing that when Jesus is glorified, we will be gratified. It just works that way. When something good happens for Jesus, we lean back and we feel real good about it because we're one with him. So how are we going to accomplish this? How are we going to now I'm to that point? First and foremost, we begin the process by praying. That's underwhelming, right? Yep, going to say a little prayer. I'll be done. We're going to pray four different ways. All right, here's here's way number one. John 17, for y'all that are writing it down, write this down. John 17, 20 through 23. John 17, 20 through 23. Y'all hang on, We're, we're almost done. Not really. We're closer than we were 20 minutes ago. John 17, 20 through 23, Jesus prayed this prayer for us. So we want to pray it and remind him of what he prayed. Are you ready? Jesus prayed this. I pray not only for these, but also for those who believe in me through their word. That's us because we believe in Jesus because of Paul and Peter and all those guys, you know. May they all be one. This is Jesus' prayer. 
May they all be one as you, Father, are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. I've given them the glory that you have given me so that they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me so that they may be made completely one that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. That's the prayer that Jesus prayed for you. Understand that? He prayed it for you, 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 all of us. Satan will exploit every opportunity he can to fracture the unity of the body. And if you don't believe that, look at First Baptist Church in 2017. Satan will exploit every opportunity he can to fracture the unity of the bride of Christ. And the more he makes us like the world, the more irrelevant we become. We can't, stay, we, can, we can't just say that we're going to be unified. We have a reputation. All Baptists do. We had a joke in college. Do you know how long it's been since I've been in college? We had a joke in college that wherever two or three Baptists are gathered in my name, there will be a fight. I'm not kidding you. That was what we did. That's what we said because that's the reputation of the Baptist church. So we can't just say we're going to be unified. God's got to do something for us. He's got to drive this. He's got to give us a new life. He's got to give us a new heart. He's got to give us a new love. We need to pray to him to make us like you have designed us to be. Second, pray for us. Listen. Listen, pray for us to accept new paradigms for ministry. And, and when you come to me and you say, preacher, we've never done that this way here before. I want you not to use that phrase. I want you just to say to me, preacher, I just want us to die. Same phrase. It says the same thing. We've never done that here before. Okay, well, why can't we do it here now? What's holding us back? Let's talk about it. Let's figure it out. Let's see if this is where God's leading us to. That phrase is the equivalent of saying, well, let's just die. Third, okay, we're going to pray for new paradigms of ministry. Third, we're going to pray that we will abandon the thinking that this is my church. This is my church. And things need to be done here like I think they need to be done. Here's the problem with that thinking, because somebody probably just bowed up a little bit. Here's the problem with that thinking. There are a thousand of us, and every last one of us has something that's special to us. And so I'm going to do a thousand different things, it'll never work. What we have to do, what we have to do is we have to realize and understand that this, listen to me, and I expect an amen on this one. You ready? This is Jesus' church. This is Jesus' church. And we've got to do the things the way he likes it done. And if we do it the way he likes it done, we're going to like it too. Guaranteed. Fourth, we're going to start praying for the lost. We pray for a lot of people's hernias. We need to be praying for lost people. And we need to be praying for lost people, if not for the best reason, at least for a good reason. 
The best reason is that Jesus came to seek and save those who are lost. And we need, to, we need to do it for that reason. Because he understands that when they meet him face to face, when they meet God face to face, if Jesus is not there as their advocate, they don't go to heaven when they die. They are separated from God for all eternity. Not for a week, not for a month, not for a year. They're not in purgatory that if somebody pays enough money or prays enough, they'll get sent on to heaven when the bell rings. When they meet God, if Jesus is not their advocate, they are separated from him forever. That ain't a good place to be. Now, I understand you cannot be emotionally evolved with those 7,000 people in Jones County that are, that are not saved. I understand that. But I've got a feeling that every last one of you have people in your family and people that you know who are not Christian. And that's what's going to happen to them. And if we love them and care about them, we need to at least say a little prayer for them every now and then. But if you can't do it for the best reason, do it for a good reason. A good reason is our kids and grandkids are going to be left with a godless world that we built. And I don't want to leave that for them. I want them to have a godly world to live in. We're going to pray John 17, 20 through 23. We're going to pray to accept new paradigms for ministry. We're going to pray that we abandon the thinking, this is my church and it's got to be done like I say it has to be done. And we're going to start praying for the lost. After doing that, I believe that God's going to move our hearts to go. Jesus said in Matthew 28, to go, baptize, make disciples, teach people to live like he designed life to be lived. In Acts 1.8, Jesus tells us, that we will be his witnesses. He says you will be. He didn't say you got to study to be. I'm going to train you to be. You might be. He uses the words you will be my witnesses. Period. And this is what we are. This is what we're going to be. So here we go. I wonder what Jesus wants. Does Jesus want a mega church in Gray, Georgia? Now Benny, what's his name? Benny Pate, I think is his name. Tate, Benny Tate, up in Milner. Went to a little country church, and he's got himself a mega church up there. God's used him to build a mega church. They got campuses all over the place, and hot and cold running people everywhere, and they got every kind of thing you'd want. It's incredible what he did out in the middle of nowhere. So to say that he couldn't do it in Gray, Georgia, would be stupid because God can do whatever God wants to do. But I'm not looking for a mega church. I no more believe that God wants to make this into a church of 30,000 people than the man in the moon. I don't, I don't believe that. Where I see God leading us to is a church that has multiple services and not afraid to have them. We may end up having more than two at some point. I don't know, in all the preacher stuff, I've learned that the hardest thing to do in a church is to go to two services. And after you go to two services, they say from then on, it's a piece of cake. Multiple services, multiple campuses, all this other stuff. There's resistance for that first little part. And that's where we are. And I believe he's leading us there so that we can have lost people come right now We've got, you know, we're combined service. There's a few little holes here and there. But you know what? I don't like sitting so close to you that we're dancing cheek to cheek. You know what I mean? That's a little bit too close. We need room for other people to come. I never, 
I never envision us, we're almost there, y'all hang on. I never envision us building a bigger sanctuary. I never envision that. In fact, I never envision us tearing out this back wall and moving it back. Never. I think one of the greatest assets of this church is that greeting area that's outside the door where y'all hang around and talk after the service is over. I think it's one of the greatest things where when we have funerals, families meet out there, brides come and wait during the wedding, the weddings to come in when we start doing weddings in churches again. All of this kind of stuff, this, what you see, as Flip Wilson said, what you see is what you get. This is it. That's what I see. We don't need bigger, but we need more. And unless Jesus lied, and and we know he doesn't, as we continue to lift him up, he's going to draw people. And that's a fact that we have to live with. It's our destiny. But the vision I believe God's given me is for us to get big enough. Listen, listen. For us to get big enough and for us to get strong enough and us to get healthy enough and for us to get talented enough. Do y'all know, bet you don't because I live in that world and y'all don't, do y'all know that 200 churches on average go out of business every week that comes across the country? 200 churches on average every week go out of business across the country now here's what I'd like to see happen here I would like for us to get so strong and so talented with so many people that when we find out that there's a church in Jones County that that can't make it anymore they've had that mindset we got to do it this way and we're not going to do it any other way or whatever happens to them and they're about to go out of business that maybe they could contact us and say do you want this church and we would say yeah we do And we'd send 70 of our people to move their letter. They're no longer First Baptist. And go to this church and work in that community and raise up a church that would minister in that community and draw people to that church that would never come to the First Baptist Church of Gray. See, this is not new. First Baptist Church has started two congregations that I'm aware of already. So I'm not, I'm not breaking new territory telling you this. The difference was is back then it was easier to start a church because we had cultural Christianity. It's going to be a little bit harder now, but we have to have the strength to be able to do that. We need to have the mindset that Jones County and the surrounding area is our church. Not 134 West Clinton Street, but Jones County. Now, this is not going to be as difficult or as disruptive as you might think. In a moment, Bo's going to come. It will only be a few minutes. In a moment, Bo's going to come, and he's going to explain the sheet that was laying on the seat when you first came in, and he's only going to take a minute or two to do it. But in those things, there are things in there that teaches us how to be for Jones County. And they're some of the most easy things in the whole wide world. Some of them is like inviting people to come to vacation Bible school. We had, I think we had 100 and something kids last year. This year, we ought to have 250 or 300. There's no reason in the world why not. Why not? When you've got that kind of population that's not going to church. It's our time. It is our place. 
God has called us for such a, such a time as this. He, the scriptures say that we are in this church because he put us in this church. And he put us in here together at this time right now to do his work. Now it's time for us to step up to the plate and play ball. It's time to really believe in Jesus. It is time to surrender ourselves to our Lord. And say, whatever you want to do, you can do. And that's all i got to say about that. Y'all pray with me. There's a hymn that was going through my mind all week. That we're going to pray that hymn this morning and then we're going to sing it for our invitation. And I pray that the Lord hear us and answer us. Holy Spirit, breathe on me until my heart is clean. Let sunshine fill its inmost part with not a cloud between. Holy Spirit, breathe on me. My stubborn will subdue. Teach me in words of living flame what Christ would have me do. Holy Spirit, breathe on me. Fill me with power divine. Kindle a flame of love and zeal within this heart of mine. Holy Spirit, breathe on me till I am all thine own. Until my will is lost in thine to live for thee alone. Breathe on me, breathe on me. Holy Spirit, breathe on me. Take thou my heart, cleanse every part. Holy Spirit, breathe on me. In Jesus' name, amen. our time of invitation, I want to ask you if you have never trusted Jesus to be your Savior, he can take your mess and give you new life, and he will. But in order to do that, you have to surrender yourself to him. You have to tell him that you'll go where he wants you to go and do what he wants you to do, that you don't want to live the way that you've lived in the past, that you want to live his way and surrender yourself to him. And if you've done that, I want to ask you, if you would, to come forward and talk to me about it. We can get Bo to talk to you. Other guys, ladies in the church, be more than happy to talk to you about it. But now's the time for that. And everybody else, pray, 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 pray. Take a moment and pray. If you want to join the church, can. It's first Sunday of the year. That always makes everybody feel good. It's a good thing. But mostly I want you to pray. And ask God, where would he lead you? Because he put you here. And he wants us to be his. Would you stand?